You're listening to a podcast from Victory. How can we learn to be content in Christ? Find out in week one of The Fine Line. Everybody say fine line. Another name for fine line is thin line, which differentiates two different things that are seemingly similar or sometimes different. Okay, we talk about lines, and uh, maybe some of us are familiar with lines. Uh, if you do have lines on your faces, I mean, that's, uh, that's another thing, okay? How many of you play basketball? If you don't play basketball, how many of you are familiar with basketball? Okay? Now, in the basketball court, there's lines, right? And if you go out of the line, you are actually out of bounds. And so, a line is a demarcation. It shows us whether we're crossing the boundary or not. And so, some lines that we cross are actually, you know, it has little effect uh, for our lives. So, for example, if you are a player and if you go out of bounds on a certain demarcation line, it's fine. But certain lines are actually very dangerous. For example, if you are in North Korea and if you have the demilitarized zone and there's a border uh, and you, have, you cross the line, how many of you know that is a dangerous line to cross? Okay? And so there are lines that are okay to cross, but there are lines that are dangerous to cross. And so we're going to be looking at for the next uh, four weeks some of the attitudes that we need to be careful of, of when it comes to finances. Now, how many of you here okay, are believing God for money? Can you please raise your hand? You, are, you need money right now. Okay? Raise your hand, Lord. Take a picture of these people. <laughs> Surprise them this uh, Christmas time. Yeah. <laughs> and how many of you know God has no problem blessing all of us? You know, God is a giver of good gifts. And uh, in fact, William uh, earlier during the offering said, if we fathers who are evil, okay, I mean, he's referring to the earthly fathers, we, we have wrong priorities sometimes. We know how to give good gifts to our children. How much more our heavenly father in heaven? He knows how to give good things to us. Amen. He knows whatever we need even before we ask, right? And so he's got no problem with providing for us. He has no problem blessing us. Turn to the person beside you and tell that person, get ready for the blessing of God. But yet my question is, if God indeed does bless us, are we ready to handle the finances? If suddenly, if tomorrow you wake up in the morning and you found out that in your ATM card, there's a 10 million peso cash that was deposited to your account, what would you do? Nice, nice. Will it change your priorities? Will it change your life? Will it change the way you live? Or will life still continue in the same way that you are walking it right now as a believer or as a Christian? So we're going to be looking at in the next four weeks different things, different attitudes about wealth, and maybe some warnings. Everybody say warning. What is warning in Tagalog? Babala. Asawa ni? Okay. Kayo nang bahala magsabi niyan, okay? So for the next four weeks, we're going to look at, for today, we're going to be looking at greed versus contentment. And then next week, we're going to be looking at false hope versus true security. And then we're going to look at selfishness versus generosity. And then temporal versus eternal. And so these are different attitudes in the area of finances, different ways on how we view wealth. 
Christian or not non-Christian, we all uh, you know, sometimes succumb to the different attitudes. Sometimes we worry about things. How many of you sometimes worry about the future? Okay, but yet the Lord tells us specifically through His Word not to worry. He said, do not worry. Turn to the person beside you and tell the person, do not worry. Okay? Dumadami wrinkles mo. And I hope that in the next four weeks, we can actually align ourselves to the Word of God. And we're going to be focusing basically on one book, the book of 1 Timothy. I'd like to invite everyone to stand, and we're going to be reading from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 to 12. We are reading from the ESV version. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Everybody say, great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take out anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Let's all read this out loud. Verse 10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Let's bow our and pray. Father, we thank you so much for our time this afternoon. Bless the preaching of your word. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would illuminate the scriptures before us. Open up our hearts to receive this word from you tonight. We thank you, Lord God, that you would bless everyone here as we not just learn from you, but transform our lives as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. All right, so this particular book is kind of unique because normally when the Apostle Paul would write uh, his epistles or letters, he would normally address it to uh, a group of people. Like when he would write to the, to the church in Ephesus, he would write uh, the book called Ephesians. Or maybe he would write to the church in Thessalonica. Okay? He, would, uh, you know, he would address that to a certain church okay? and, uh, in Colossae, the Colossians. But in this particular writing or book, he was just addressing this to one particular individual. And this is this young pastor named Timothy. Timothy is actually the son in the Lord of uh, the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul is probably in his late 40s. Uh, Timothy is probably, I don't know, maybe uh, early 20s or maybe less than 20 when he, was, uh, when he got saved. He was taken into uh, discipleship by the Apostle Paul. And so he would actually um, give some advice and some uh, teachings on how to lead his church. In fact, if you would look at some of the writings in 1 Timothy chapter 3, he would talk about here's how you would choose elders in your church or how you can actually choose deacons. And so uh, some of the uh, things in church building and church order was really uh, given to, to Timothy. And, but in chapter 6, he was focusing particularly on this issue on wealth. To give uh, people the warning and uh, you know, just be careful about the trappings of wealth. Now we're going to be focusing on greed. You know, as a pastor, we often minister to the needs of people. And people come to us for prayer, for counsel. Sometimes people would come to us and ask for prayer. You know, Pastor, pray for me because I'm struggling with unforgiveness. Or Pastor, pray for me because I'm struggling with this bitterness in my heart. I couldn't forgive my mom or I couldn't forgive my friend who wronged me. I couldn't forgive this partner. Or, you know, Pastor, pray for me because I, I have a problem with lust or I have a problem with this or I have a problem with that. But rarely do I hear people come to us 
and would actually confess, Pastor, pray for me because I am a greedy person. Or my problem is greed. Anyone here whose problem is greed? Maybe, you know, we don't see it. Okay? Because people may admit different kinds of things, but not greed, because greed can actually be like a stealth problem in our hearts. You may have it, but you may not detect it. You may actually, you know, going through life and have greed in your heart, but yet you may actually not consider it as part of the problem because it's so subtle that it's actually in, you know, part of your, the way you think, the way you, you know, your perspective in life, your decision-making is affected by this particular thing. In fact, Dr. Timothy Keller said, we cannot see our own greed, but yet we have it. Maybe we would actually say, I don't have it. I'm not greedy. I'm generous. Talaga Because greed is so subtle that we don't really know uh, if it's there or not. You know, we're, we're going to just go through very quickly some progression on, you know, how to deal with this particular thing called greed. First, we have a, you know, there's a problem with greed. Of course, greed is a problem. It's a wrong attitude. You know, I always deal with this, you know, uh, in my home. For example, if you have, how many of you are parents here? Please raise your hand. You have parents. And you have more than one child. You have at least two children. Please raise your hand. Okay. How many of you know that if you have two children, greed will always be present in your home? You know, having two younger girls, for example, who's always struggling, okay? Many times fighting over the same toy. And dami naman laruan. But they focus on one. And one would say, you know, this is mine, me first, you know, I found it first, you know, I, I would tell them, and dami naman laruan, just you know, give her time to play with this and then, you know, go and play with it later on. But yet, the sinful nature and the greed inside of them, that is the constant thing that we address more often. Where does this come from? Where does greed come from? Where does this originate? You know, you know back in the, in the time of creation, in the book of Genesis, uh, when Adam and Eve were created by God, you know, God basically gave them a command. And what was the command that God gave them? The first command that God gave Adam and Eve was not, do not eat. But the first command that God gave Adam and Eve was, you may eat. You may eat the fruit from any tree of the garden, but this one do not touch. So the first thing that God gave Adam and Eve was freedom. Everybody say freedom. freedom. It was not a prohibition. After giving them freedom, then he gave them rules and boundaries. Going back to child training, if you have children, you know, part of the things that we teach our children is obedience. And we tell our children, okay, especially when they're toddlers, do not touch the socket. Guess what they will do? They will do exactly what you tell them not to do. electric fan. I mean, they're, they're going to try it. Maybe some will try it because they're curious. Maybe some will try it because they are defiant. They'll do that. And this is exactly what happened in the garden. You know, when, when God told them not to eat that, you know, Eve somehow saw the fruit. And the description of the Bible was, it was good for food. 
it was pleasing to the eyes. You know, another description for the sin of man at that time is lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. Now, how many of us would actually readily admit that we have lust of the eyes? Maybe not. Pastor, I'm, okay naman ako. I'm, I'm satisfied, I'm content with what I have. Really? What do you do if you have a lot of money and then suddenly the mall declares 80% off? You know, some people don't want to go to church. Oh, I don't want to go to church. I have a headache. It's okay. And then you open the newspaper. It says they're 85% off in Festival Mall, all outlets. Suddenly, your headache disappears. And then here you are. You're walking the mall. Wow, I like that. I like that. I like that. I like that. We're dealing with these things. You know, even my own kids, actually, you know, sometimes they would ask me, Actually, recently, they are asking me for a certain toy that they saw on TV and actually on, on, on the computer and also actually even from someone who was here in the church. And it's that hoverboard thing. Two wheels, and then you stand on it, and then it moves forward, something like that. And then it turns around, it spins. So they're asking that for Christmas. And I said, why? Where did you see it? We saw it on TV. We saw it actually also in church. You see this? We saw it. And we like it. (laughs) That's the problem with greed, right? When you see something that you don't have, you want it and you desire it. Many times we focus on what we don't have than what we do have. Lord, buti pa siya, ang ganda ng trabaho niya. Lord, he's not driving a nicer car. Lord, I like his iPhone. It's newer than mine. Mine is Nokia 5110. And this is where this thing comes in. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9, back to the same text. He says, but those who desire to be rich. Now, how many of you would like to be rich again? Please raise your hand. Or, you know... Now, how many of you would like to be blessed na lang, okay? Pareho rin yun Whether rich or blessed, or how many of you would like to have more money than what you have right now? Pera pa more, right? There's a warning here. It says, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. Not yet sin, it says temptation. How many of you know that there's a difference between sin and temptation? Sin is sin. Sin is breaking God's heart. Sin is breaking God's law. But temptation, even Jesus himself was tempted three times in the wilderness, right? And yet he did not sin. And so the Apostle Paul was warning, and he said to Timothy, warn those who desire to be rich because they might fall into temptation, into a snare, which is, in other words, a trap into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Is it a sin to desire to be rich? No. Tell the person beside you, no. Okay lang yan, di ba? Okay lang yumaman. But the question is, what do we do if God blesses us? Are we ready? Is our heart ready? You know, when you look at 
the word greed. Greed is an intense and selfish desire for something, especially for wealth, power, and food. <laughs> Hindi lang wealth, eh, no? pati pala pagkain. Money in itself is not bad. You know, don't get me wrong, guys. We need money to advance the kingdom of God. We need money to pay the rent for this facility, right? Can you imagine if we don't pay rent, where will we be next month? <laughs> the mall will kick us out. So we need money. Okay, don't get me wrong. Money is fine. But it's the attitude towards money that can be a problem many times. Because money in itself is neutral. The question is, who is holding the money? Is the person righteous or is the pers- does the person have a, a bad heart or maybe a bad attitude towards, towards wealth? Okay? The fine line then is how we see and how we use the money that God is giving us. Greed can be so subtle. We don't know that it's there. You know, I once heard a, uh, a preacher, actually my, my, my friend, who preached about this, and he said, money actually is a magnifier. You know, if you, you know, whoever holds the money, actually it magnifies who they are as a person. So for example, if a person is naturally generous, he'd probably give maybe a few pesos here, a few pesos there, but he'd give, even beyond his ability to give. But if you put money in the hands of a generous person, guess what happens? He suddenly becomes a philanthropist. Because money reveals who he really is. Okay? Are you getting it? So, for example, if a person is proud, arrogante, maski na walang pera, mayabang na. Can you imagine? Wala nang pera, wala pang pera, mayabang na. Eh, paano ba pagka maraming pera? Mas hahangin pa yon, di ba? Giginawin tayo lahat dito. Something like that, okay? And so, money is a magnifier. It merely reveals the heart of a person and not necessarily makes a person bad. Are we getting it? So there's nothing wrong about money per se. What's wrong is in the heart of a person. In Psalm 10 verse 3, it says, For the wicked boasts of the desires of his soul, and the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. There's nothing wrong with gain per se. There's nothing wrong with promotion. There's nothing wrong with open doors. There's nothing wrong if you're a business person, if God blesses your business and somehow you expand your business. How many of you know that is gain? Nothing wrong with that. What's wrong is when we do the gain in the wrong sense. Worldly gain, unjust gain, extortion. Okay? Because so that we can actually have more wealth. In Proverbs 15 verse 27, it says, Whoever is greedy for what? Unjust gain troubles his own Household, but he who hates bribes will live. Now, you may be a businessman here and you may be tempted, okay? Can you just, some of the advice in the world is you have to have different sets of books, one for the BIR, one for the bank, and one is your real book, okay? But if you do that, where is the consistency there? How do you honor God with your wealth? You know, is it really biblical or Christian to evade your taxes? But the Bible says, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to the Lord what is the Lord's. How do we view it? There's another scripture that says, uh, a good name is better than riches. It is not worth compromising or sacrificing your integrity just so that we can have more money. Amen. We need to keep 
and continue to honor God with even the little that we have so that God can continue to bless us in the right way, in the right means. Psalm 119 verse 36 says, Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to what? Selfish gains. Nothing wrong about gain per se, but it's the way it is got gathered or done. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3, Woe to him who gets evil gain for his house to set his nest on high to be safe from the, the reach of harm. So, whether you're into extortion, whether, you know, if, for example, if you have the power to, you know, to, to bless people in your company, go ahead and do it. Do the right thing. Tell the person beside you, tell the person, do the right thing. Talking about the heart, in Mark chapter 7, Jesus was, uh, you know, somehow explaining this. And we're talking about the issue of the heart. What comes out of the person is what defiles him. And he said this, For from within, out of the heart of man, come what? Evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft. It comes from the heart. It didn't come from outside, it comes from the heart. Basically, it just comes out when a circumstance change. Murder, adultery, covet, coveting. Another name for greed is covetousness. Wickedness, deceit. Sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, all these things or evil things come from, from within and they defile a person. In other words, the heart of the problem really is the problem of the heart. Mula sa puso, ang problema. The heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. My friend Pastor Luther one time told me, how can you face the problem if the problem is your face? Something like that. But anyway, that's a different topic. Okay? When you talk about greed, greed is really an issue of the heart. Second is the trap. Everybody say the trap. First is we have a problem. We have to deal with greed. But yet there's also a trap. And the trap is when we start to see money as the ultimate thing in life. You know, you start off right. You know, you, you desire to honor God. But yet... When you start drifting away from the original purpose why God has blessed you in the first place, then you find yourself striving to be even more rich and to have more gain that sometimes you lose your priority. Trap. When we think that money dictates our joy and fulfillment in life, that's a trap. If you have money in your account, you're happy. If you don't have money in your account, you're sad. How many of you know that our happiness and our mood should not be dictated by money? Because the blessing of the Lord, I believe, is not just about finances. Right? 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 says, For the love of money. So, when you talk about money, nothing wrong with money. It's the love of money. That's the root of all kinds of evil. Pastor, I don't love money, but I sure like it a lot. We're talking about a different thing here, okay? So it's a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Pangs, With many griefs, with many sorrows, the Bible says. 
Now, why would people fall into the trap? Maybe it's because they were deprived when they were younger and now that they've tasted success, they suddenly think it's all about them. You know, last uh, Wednesday, during the parenting seminar, Pastor Steve Merle, uh, after you know, sharing two sessions about uh, discovering the heart of parenting and also, uh, you know, good, what's this, uh, top 10 things on parenting, we went through a question and answer portion. I was moderating it together with Pastor Paolo of Victory Fort. And one of the questions that was given is, uh, or was, is it okay for me, okay, so it was like a first person thing, it is okay for me, is it okay for me to leave my family for about two months or maybe two years in order to work abroad as an OFW. So Steve looked at the question and he answered profoundly. And he said this, no. That's it. The answer is, no, it is not okay for you to leave your family just so that you can actually work abroad. Because what he said was this, there's only one father for my kids. And I don't want to miss the opportunity to see them growing up. But I believe that there's going to be a lot of opportunities for me to be able to find a work here or opportunities here instead of me sacrificing my family just so that I can actually gain in my employment. Are we here this afternoon? I know that this is kind of sensitive. You know, earlier in my uh, service in Nakasha, one of my uh, friends by the name of Conrad Reyes used to work in Malaysia and in Singapore. He worked in Malaysia uh, three years, Singapore two years. But in all those work, he always prayed, Lord, I pray that my whole family will be with me in my work. And guess what happened? He brought his family everywhere he went. His family was granted favor. The kids went to international school there. So, you know, the favor of God was upon them. But the condition that he made is, I will never leave behind my children, especially during their formative years. Because I don't want to miss their graduation. I don't want to miss their soccer practice. I don't want to miss their piano recital. I want to be there in the special celebration of their life. You know, it is not worth the risk if we will sacrifice our family. I believe that God, you know, my prayer is that God will give us wisdom uh, on doing this. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10 says, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. I mean, the, the question really is how much is enough? I mean, if, I, I believe that the scripture would tell us that we need to be diligent. You know, there's a proverb that says, diligent hands bring the blessing of God. Diligent hands, in another scripture it says, diligent hands will rule. So diligence is biblical. But sometimes in our desire to have more, our diligence becomes way off track. Instead of us working maybe 8-9 hours a day, we actually now work 12, 13, 14 hours a day in order for us to provide and our kid, kids would rarely see us already. So, andito ka nga, wala ka naman sa bahay. So, we've got to show some restraint. Tell the person beside you, show some restraint. And I kind of like the scripture in Psalm 127, verse 2, it says, for he grants sleep to those he loves. In another, uh, in the footnote, it says, "While he is sleeping, God provides for him." Can you imagine that promise? 
Psalm 127 verse 2, while you are sleeping. Now, I'm not telling you to sleep during the work time, okay? <laughs> but you can actually sleep at night and be confident of the fact that God will take care of us. Amen? Show some restraints because, I, come on, give the Lord praise for that. I believe God will take care of our needs. He's just looking for people with the right heart. You know, uh, during the turn of the century, in the early uh, 1900s, this uh, billionaire, John D. Rockefeller, his net worth, I think at that time, if you convert it to today's net worth, it would be equivalent to about maybe $338 billion in today's net worth. He is by far the richest person that America ever made. Okay? He's so rich, but yet some of his friends are, you know, he, even at the height of his you know, wealth and at an old age, he's still working and he doesn't want to stop. And his friends ask him, so when do you stop? And this is what he said. Just a little bit more. $338 billion net worth. And he's saying, just a little bit more. My question for us today is, when is enough enough? Do we need to push? Or can we actually just say, Lord, I've done my best. And I know that you will take care of my needs. Because I want to be able to have my priorities straight. Luke chapter 12 verse 15 says, He said to them, take care. Everybody say, take care. Take care or be careful. He's saying, and be on your guard against all greed or covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possession. I mean, this is a very profound statement from the Lord himself. This is red letter in your Bible. And he said, One's life does not consist in the abundance of his possession. I mean, what is the purpose of our living? Why do we live? Is it just to make wealth? There's nothing wrong about money, but money is only a tool. It is not the end of, you know, it is not, uh, it is at the end itself. It's only a means for something that is of a higher purpose and a higher calling. Are we here this afternoon? God wants to bless us, but yet there is a purpose for that blessing. If I were to ask you, what's your ultimate thing in life? I just want to be rich. Okay, rich to, to do what? I just want to be rich. To do what? I just want to be rich. You know? <laughs> There's something wrong if you're stated is, I just want to be rich. Because you think that the ultimate goal in life is just to have wealth. And yet Jesus says, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possession. Our possessions, actually, can be here today, gone tomorrow. If God suddenly takes out our possessions, what do we do? Many people during the Great Depression in America, because they lost their possession, you'd see business people jump off buildings because they think their life is over, because they lost the wealth, because they think that life only consisted in the abundance of their possession. You know, there's an anecdote I trying to remember, and this anecdote says, you can, you can buy a bed, but you can never buy sleep. You can buy food, but you cannot buy appetite. You can buy, you know, you can buy a house, but you can never buy a home. And so on and so forth. 
And then one said, one added, you can buy a crucifix, but you can never buy a Savior. Because there are some things in this world that money cannot buy. And those are the things that are eternal. Amen. And those are the things that are more important. Amen. you got to be careful. And here's the solution as I come to a close. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 to 8 says, Now there is great gain in godliness with what? Contentment. Contentment is the big word. My question is, are we content with what we have? That's the antidote to greed. If you want to be you know, freed from greed, just be content. Be contented with what God has given you. Don't compare yourselves with another person. Lord, bakit pa siya? Mas bless siya. You know, mas maganda yung misis niya. Buti pa siya. May asawa na siya. Ako, single pa rin. Mas maganda yung trabaho niya. You know, we tend to compare ourselves with others. But we fail to thank God for what we have. The little boy in the book of John only had two fish and five loaves of bread. And yet he transferred that in the hands of the master and he multiplied that to be a blessing to many. What do you have? Do not focus on what you don't have. Focus on what you do have. And with what we have, we say, Lord, thanks. I'm Okay, I'm contented. You know, when we got married 25 years ago, me and my wife, Shirley, really had nothing. We had nothing uh, to start with. Uh, as a newlywed couple, we actually moved to uh, a small apartment in Mandaluyong. Salabas, okay? Uh, and all we had during that time was a semi-matrimonial-sized bed, which is really important for newlyweds, okay? At least you have, you know, a thing to sleep on. Uh, we had a stove and a gasol, which my mom gave us, and a ref. That's about it. We didn't have a sala set. We didn't have a dining set. We didn't have a washing machine. So I remember during the first few days of our married life, we would actually take a manila paper, put it on the floor, and we would sit there Japanese style and eat from there. And I would tell my wife, it doesn't matter what we have, you and me against the world. Even if I don't have any money, I have you, my honey. It was a simple life when we started, looking back. And then we started having kids. Bea was born. And then we had Jerome. And I remember we were in the small room. We finally moved to a bigger apartment. And we were in the small room. And, you know, as we're about to sleep that night, I told my wife, you know what? Everything that I own in my life is right here in this room. That's about it. That's what I have then. And that's the most important thing in my life. And yet I look back after 25 years, God is faithful to provide for everything that we need. And I believe that you all have your stories. Amen? We all have our stories. How God will provide for our needs. And it says in verse 7, For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. Job got this. When he lost his family, when he lost his businesses, the very statement from the mouth of Job in Job chapter 2 was this, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. And he said this final statement, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Because it, was not, it didn't matter whether he had wealth at that time, because he had God. Amen. Come on now. 
with God on our side, guess what? He can restore everything. And that's exactly what he did. At the end of Job's life, he had twice the amount that he started with. Amen? It's not about what we have right now. It's about being content with God. And he said, but if we have what? Food and clothing with this, we will be content. Okay, right? How many of you are happy with food and clothing? And an iPhone, and a car, and a house, and some clothes, or whatever, okay? But the basic necessities in life, God will provide. With that, we will be content. Amen? Come on, give the Lord praise. In other words, contentment is an inner sufficiency that keeps us at peace in spite of outward circumstances. The state of happiness and satisfaction. Doesn't matter what you have. You're content in God. Some people are so rich that yet they cannot enjoy their riches. What good is that? They're afraid to lose it. They could not even sleep at night because they might wake up tomorrow morning and have nothing. How many of you can still sleep at night even if you have nothing? Yes, come on. That's a blessing from God. Riches, in other words, is not related to how much you have. It's related to whether you're content with what you have. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 to 18 says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty or proud or arrogant, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Because the reality is, if you have worldly riches, it can be gone tomorrow. But we need to fix our eyes on God. It says here, who richly provides us with what? Everything. For what? To enjoy. Come on now. God provides us everything that we have right now so that we can enjoy it. Not so that we can worry more about it tomorrow. investment Enjoy life. Enjoy what you have. That's a blessing from God. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous. Everybody say, be generous. I believe God is preparing to pour out His blessing to all of us. If He would see people who are open and generous for His kingdom. Generous to share. Ready to share, sorry. Proverbs 30, verse 7 and 8. I like this prayer that this uh, author wrote. He said, two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Gulay lang, okay na. <laughs> and then he said this, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. So the prayer is this, Lord, don't make me too rich that I may forget you. And don't make me too poor that I might steal and dishonor you. Just make me a middle-class income guy. Just enough so that I can actually be content and be generous when needed. Amen? Come on. How many of you would actually pray that kind of prayer? Matthew 6, 19. The second to the last scripture. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures where? 
in heaven. That's the surest form of investment. Where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. There's no rubbers in heaven. Amen. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where do you put your money? You will see that. Where you put your money is where your heart is. If you invest heavily in your family, that's where your heart is. You love your family. If you put your money in, in missions, then your heart is there for the missions. If you put your money in your bike, then your heart is in the bike. And I know some people who invest heavily in bikes. Half a million peso worth of bike. Can you imagine that? Their heart is in the bike. But if we put our treasure in heaven, then our heart is in heaven. Amen. When all that you have is Jesus, then you have everything you need. Jesus is all I need. Amen. Let's just ask the Lord right now to give us a new heart. Father God, I just pray that you would minister to our hearts today. I thank you, Lord God, that you will give us a heart that is fully submissive to you, a heart that is grateful, a heart that is content. You said in your word, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present our requests to you, Lord. And so we will choose not to worry, not to be anxious, not to be greedy, but just to be content and grateful for everything that you've done to us, Lord God. And so, Lord, I pray that our lives will be reflective, Lord God, of what you have done, God, through your Son on the cross. I thank you, Lord God, that, Lord, our the way we live, the way we manage our finances, Lord God, would bring back glory and honor to you, Lord. And so, Lord, we thank you that we can actually fully put our trust in you. May your name be glorified every day as we manage our finances, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, that you are able to provide everything that we need in accordance to the riches of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For more messages like these from other Victory Centers, please visit victory.org.ph slash resources slash podcasts.